and welcome back to the New Ark podcast, episode 13, I believe. Wow, Unlucky. okay. So we should automatically <laughs> veto whatever we're talking about. <laughs> Animal number 13 couldn't possibly make it onto the Ark. That would just be bad luck. I mean, you've already lost Saf. I think I think we'll have to do another debate on whether 13 is bad luck or not. But that's for a, for a different episode of a different podcast. I'm just going to wait for you to come out with some new philosophical bombshell. I'm still reeling from the, the, the whether the, good and bad even exists in the frog well, episode. That that well, was pure th- genius. Thirteen is actually lucky, but hey, um, yeah, see, see but... I knew you could turn it around. <laughs> I, I knew you could do it. So you think we have to bring animal number thirteen on board? It's been massively misunderstood. Incidentally, number. where is it lucky? Did did you make that up, or is it actually lucky somewhere? Well, I, I think 13 is lucky. <laughs> so, oh, so it's lucky for you. <laughs> no, no, it's lucky I, for I, everybody. I thought you just pulled some brilliant fact out of the bag. That it's actually lucky in, I don't know, India or Kistan. Well, well, there's no scientific grounds for it being unlucky. Ooh. That's a good question. Yeah, it's I don't just, know. Because it's, 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 it's an odd number. It's a prime number. It, it doesn't happen much in nature. Therefore, mm-hmm. if you do get something with 13, it's an aberration. It's. I'm sure we uh, can apply I, that to so many numbers, though. That's the thing. I think 13 has just got a bad rap because of some urban myth, some conspiracy theory, some liar who made some shit up and spread it years and years ago. And we're just like blindly following along, uh, giving 13 a bad name. Hmm. What's it in China? Is it like four, four or five? One of those is unlucky, isn't it? Yeah, there's a few like that. So in Japan, which I'm kind of more familiar with, 42 is unlucky. Because four and two. Yeah, like, because they're all like, it's based on letters, right? So four and two, when it kind of represents death so it's like it's it's an unlucky number ah mm. yeah yeah oh interesting interesting <laughs> I, I was just going to say that obviously that that would also be an aberration in nature if you had an animal with 42 legs <laughs> <laughs> or 19. With, with the number four you get four leaf clovers which are Unlucky because that means the clover's stressed. You only get four leaf clovers when it's in poor soil, when it's not had enough sunlight, not enough nutrients, etc. What's the so, good luck uh, clover? Five. I don't know. Three. Most most clovers are lucky, is what I actually think. I, I think we have to be more consistent in our superstitions. So as long as there's some biological foundation to it so a three-legged animal like a kangaroo is unlucky because that's an aberration of nature kangaroos have three legs two oh we've got a whole flashback was it five episodes <laughs> kangaroos. Well, they, they have, have three legs this has been scientifically proven because they use their tail like a leg Ergo, a tail, they're though. the only animals which naturally have three legs Tail, though. I'm sure we would have mentioned that, kangaroos. Surely. Tail, Surely. 
It's not a tail. It's not a tail. It's a leg. <laughs> Does it have toes? Yeah. They've, 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 what have they got? Three toes? Kangaroos? Kangaroo tail does not have toes. It's got one toe. <laughs> there are lots of animals which just have one toe on their legs. That doesn't yeah, make yeah, it any less of a leg. Yeah, but each leg needs to be consistent with the other legs. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. <laughs> okay. We have got way <laughs> off topic without even starting this week's episode. So, to push us slightly further back on course. The usual summary, we don't have any new results. So okay. I think we might get two next week because I'm sort of condensing all the socials. Okay. But I thought actually it might be good to do a recap. So okay. for some of our newer listeners who haven't caught up on the past 12 episodes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So what have we got? Six results so far. We're obviously deciding which animals we're taking on board our space arc to Earth 2.0. Earth 1.0 is about to blow up. Uh, so far, we have foxes are on board. Cats have been disqualified. They're going to be left to blow into spinnerines, into space, etc. Um, what was episode three? Elephants. Elephants are definitely on board. My favourite animals. Yes. Ants. You, you weren't are saying being left you weren't saying you weren't saying that on the day, but oh. hey, <laughs> I'm allowed to say it now. So, with with the benefit of hindsight, elephants are fantastic. Foxes are pretty good as well. Pocket foxes are great. What's episode five? Dolphins. Dolphins passed with flying colours. And crocodiles was our last result, yeah. and they were a tie. Yeah. So those will be revisited in an episode to come, to to have a tiebreaker, a, a royal rumble, as you put it. But yeah, that's where we stand. Three animals on board, two which have been kicked out to die in exploding Earth 1.0, and one tiebreak to be decided. I mean, do you have a favourite episode so far, Saf? Ooh, good question. Um, I don't know. Um, maybe? I have fond memories of Foxes, but that was our very first episode. It was actually in a studio. Uh, it had a lot of things going for it. Um, so I might have to say Foxes. Also, I'm very, very fond of Foxes these days. So, um... Mm. Yeah, I think the animals that really kind of like jump out at me would be like foxes and cats, but I'm, I don't want to talk about cats at the moment. Um, what about you? Still sore, still sore about cats being left to perish. But no, I know. Yeah, I'm, I mean, similar to you. I think those first three episodes we did in studio were great, so elephants would be a good one for me. Yeah, yeah. Of yeah. course, they were my favourite animals before. So slightly yeah. biased there. I actually really enjoyed frogs as well. Frogs yeah. is a memorable episode for me. Yes. Okay. 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 Yeah, because you yeah. going into it, you didn't think you know frogs. They're not really like a star-studded animal lizard, but they yeah, it was interesting for sure. They threw up mm -hmm. some surprises. 
Yeah. Uh, and I enjoyed your philosophical bombshells as well. <laughs> I'm Disney princesses. That was frogs. Yes. So when yeah. we get sued for libel, yeah. it will have been worth it because it was a great episode. Yeah. But yeah, if you haven't listened to those yet, you can head back and catch up. This episode, we're going to be talking about parrots. So we have gone from pandas. We had an episode between, didn't we? So from pandas to chimpanzees, mm-hmm. and then back to pandemoniums, <laughs> which is the collective noun for parrots. You see what I did there? That wow. was brilliant. Okay. I did not know that. Yeah, it's a pandemonium of parrots, which I have to say, I mean, as you know, I'm not much of a fan of all these animal collective nouns, but that one does annoy me almost as much as a tower of giraffes. Why? I think some of the collective nouns for animals are just ridiculous. So, was it a flamboyance of flamingos? It's something like that. But that's brilliant. I mean, who on earth is, is going to use that? That is, no, that's just trying too hard. You have to find a middle ground. So, a crash of rhinos, I'm quite happy about. But uh, a tower of giraffes is, no. That, that, that's a pathetic attempt. As is a pandemonium of parrots. If you have to get it to alliterate, then you, you've already lost. Hmm. I think it's just a bonus if it alliterates. <laughs> it's, it's a cliche. It's a cliche alliteration. Mm. So, so I mean, uh, we will talk about this further, I'm sure. But when I do wildlife rescuing, uh, frequently parrots, amongst other things. Actually, we name parrots mostly after Disney princesses. So, another link there. I'm getting off topic. Most of the animal names we try and alliterate, but th- this is so cliche. So you'd have a, a dog called Doug, for example. <laughs> that was a very poor example, but a lot of animal names are made to alliterate, and it annoys me, even though I do it myself. Interesting. It's it's, it's called being a hypocrite. Yeah. <laughs> for, for our listeners. Who haven't already worked out I'm a hypocrite arguing against elephants and saying they're brilliant 12 episodes later. But... So, parrots, parrots, parrots. Well, the first thing I did want to say about parrots, because I wasn't personally so much aware of this before researching mm-hmm. for this episode. Did you know that parrots are imperialist gum, essentially. So, I mean, this dates back to Roman times. Mm -hmm. In Roman times, parrots would be trained and would then thereafter frequently recite things like Hail Caesar and Hail Augustus, Supreme Emperor, Hail Nero, Hail Flavius, etc. Push forward to modern times, have you heard of the conquered lorikeet? It's in the South Pacific, now extinct. No. It's discovered in 1987, mm-hmm. and its scientific name, wait for it, is Vini Vidi Vici. Okay. Which, are, I mean, that's one of my new favourite scientific names. There are a few good ones. Like, have you heard of the aha wasp? 
<laughs> they're quite good. There's some pizza ones, pizza scientific names. Pizza cake, that's a pretty good one. But yeah, I mean, Vidi Vidi Vici has got to be quite high up there on mm -hmm. the list of clever scientific names. And uh, I mean, all it goes to show is that parrots are continuing outdated, age-old imperialist traditions about world domination. And given that we're recording this in Britain, we should know better, really. <laughs> well, that's, um, you know, that's not the parrot's fault, is it? Uh, they've been kept as pets for forever, uh, apparently 3,000 years ago starting with the ancient Egyptians, uh, by the Indians and the Chinese. Um, and they were often kept by, you know, the rich or nobility. So it's these people that had these um, outdated imperialistic ambitions fueled by greed. The parrots were just pets. They were trained to repeat words, which they did. Um, and if they didn't, you'd hate to know what the consequences would be because what were the consequences well how do you torture their, off, power their head yeah you know they've got mini guillotines for parrots well they were doing that to <laughs> humans so the parrots you know they're smart they looked around they talk no, around. no, 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 no. Sorry, I'm not going to let that stand. They weren't guillotining humans in the Roman or Egyptian or ancient Chinese empires. Guillotines were invented in the French Revolution. They yeah, were yeah. not guillotining Romans. No, no, they don't need to be guillotining them, but it's just basically, it's just a phrase, isn't it? It's just if you were, you know, against the ruling parties, um, you know, dissent wasn't accepted. You know, you would you would disappear, uh, you know, overnight, and everybody knew kind of what would happen to you, and then they would kind of fall into line. So the parrots, being smart, uh, caught on to this fact, and they were just towing the line so that they can survive. But on top of that, another kind of little note. Um, Loads and loads of famous people have had par uh, parrots as pets. Aristotle, uh, King Henry VIII, Marco Polo, Queen Victoria, Teddy Roosevelt, Steven Spielberg. Um, and they're the most popular pet bird in the world. Hmm. So well, I can add know. a few names to that list okay, of popular cool. people, yeah, famous yeah. people who've kept parrots. So Christopher Columbus discovered America, yeah. also kept a parrot. Yeah. And because of it, he suffered from arthritis in his wrist because he got a, an infection from the parrot. Parrots are, do quite commonly uh, pass on infections to humans. It's called psittacosis, uh, parrot fever. It's probably the worst avian human intercrossing disease out there. Far worse than anything, for example, a pigeon can give you. So hence, sick as a parrot. Another famous person who kept a parrot Mm -hmm. President Andrew Jackson of the United States, of course. Mm -hmm. He kept a pet parrot. It was kicked out of his funeral in 1945 for cursing and swearing too much. <laughs> he was so upset. When you say no, when you say these famous people kept parrots, you haven't specified the nature of their relationship with said parrots. They weren't always amicable. 
Well, if they weren't amicable, they wouldn't have kept them. They would have got rid of them. Well, that's why they invented the guillotine. <laughs> See, you, you haven't rushed up on your history. During the French Revolution, they had lots of people to behead. They also had lots of parrots. Because as you've clearly stated yourself, lots of people have parrots. Especially rich, powerful, wealthy people. That's why they invented the guillotine. Perhaps, but it wasn't the parrots that did it. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I could come up with a conspiracy theory about that. Parrots starting the French Revolution. I mean, uh, yeah, there you go. Louis XIV modelling himself off a parrot. Luxurious. Mm -hmm. Do-ups, costumes, lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So they were his muse, his inspiration. They were his chief council advisors prodding him on to such extent which caused the peasants revolt caused the french revolution caused guillotine and the parrots got their comeuppance it's, it's, it's a circle of life saf circle of life <laughs> hey no no revolutions on earth 2.0 parrots and humans will live in harmony that's why we're not bringing parrots <laughs> no french revolution 2.0 no, France, come to think of it. Yeah, we've already, well, you've already made that clear, but um, <laughs> uh, I think that goes back to the frog episode as well. But, okay. Us. It does. Let me ask you this. Um, Earth 2.0, do we value beauty on Earth 2.0? I would value aesthetic merit i think beauty is a confining construct right. uh, i think it's a, a narrow view of the world but i will i will value pleasing aesthetics yes, yes. well parrots are as pleasing aesthetically as they come um in terms of you know is it 350 different species all of which, or many of which, have brilliant, bright, beautiful colors in their feathers. It's like, you know, when we think of Earth 2.0, we don't just want gray concrete and just, you know, we want aliveness, we want nature, we want lots of different species of animals, we want color, we want, you know, energy, all of these things um, very well kind of represented by the parrot. So, I mean, you say beauty, I say sexist. Because in all of those 350-something species of parrot, bar one, the male is the more brightly coloured than the mm -hmm. female. So mm -hmm. in 349 out of 350 species of parrot, the males are getting all the nice clothes. The males are getting to dress up, have a great time, looks beautiful, fabulous. And the females just have to rough it out like some... Pigeons. ...pressed minority in a patriarchal society. So, I'm going to play the feminism card. We're right. not allowed to bring parrots. No, well, let me flip it. The female parrots are the decision makers. Like the male parrots are going through all of the trouble of grooming and, you know, everything to get the attention of the female parrots. So 
really the power depends how you look at it. The power is very much in the hand of the female parrot. And once the female parrot chooses her partner, mate, they're made for life. So no nymphomania. This is like long-term monogamous <laughs> relationships, right? I mean. in, in, in the parrot world. Um, so, you know, that's something that appeals to you. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's a good example to the kids of Earth 2.0. It is. It is. I, I, I wasn't even thinking about playing that card. I know it's a first on this podcast, but I wasn't going to go anywhere near mm. Nymphomania this time. Well, it's hard for I, you I to mean, do that. When... Yeah. <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, actually, it's quite rare amongst birds for them to be so on the straight and narrow, monogamous, all, all that jazz. Uh, it, it does put them at a significant minority. Mm. But uh, it is sexist either way, isn't it? Whether the females are in charge or the males are in charge. It's still sexist. It's just a different type of sexist. <laughs> yes, but you played your feminism card and now... Uh, well, I can, I can also play the anti-feminism card, so you have to choose which way you want to. Well, I think it's a good balance because the, the women are in charge, so it's very much a matriarchy, but the men get to wear the colourful garb. So, swings and roundabouts, they're both happy. Well, no, I, I actually still think it's a, it's a patriarchy. Because if you think about it, still in human society, the, the man typically proposes to potential spouse. It, it's still the woman's decision. They have to say yes, whatever. Yes, I love mm. you lots. I, I want to marry you, sure. So even in humans, it, it's the f female is decision to, to say yes, to uh, mm. engage in... in marital rights it's, it's the same with parrots but you can still be in a patriarchy mm. just because they have that small hint of power in parrots and in humans doesn't mean they are still an oppressed minority mm. or majority i actually don't know whether there are more mm. female or male parrots is it i suspect it's similar to humans Roughly 50-50, or what's the... Yeah, but if you think about it, with all the se uh, sexual selection, obviously, you're right, the males do have to look prettier, mm -hmm. therefore they should get preyed on more, therefore there should be less of them, theoretically, unless their breeding systems are accounting for that somehow, unless they're more male children than female, which is possible. Mm -hmm. I imagine it's similar to humans, you might have a small majority of females... In most cases. Hmm. And I play the murderer argument. Go for it. <laughs> Go for it. I mean, since since I'm not going to get to Nymphomania, you've already cut me off there. I mean, I can play the murderer argument till the sun goes down. Uh, I mean, from personal experience, as I mentioned, mm -hmm. I've done plenty of wildlife rescue rehab uh, stuff in Australia where there are lots of parrots uh, of the 800-something, 50 species of birds in Australia. Most of them are quite colourful. Most of them make a loud noise, and a lot of them are parrots. 
and they are murderous. So, I mean, I, I was trying to explain this to you actually at the end of the recording on chimpanzees, but basically they have a, a beak closing jaw strength of about 350 psi, pounds per square inch. Uh, I, I was trying to equate that. It's about the same pressure as in the uh, boiler, like the engine of a steam locomotive, steam train. So mm -hmm. that, that's how powerful their beaks are. Uh, obviously very, very concerted uh, force they exert. They can rotate their heads around at least a full 180 degrees, which means even when you're holding them in what's called a birder's grip, uh, basically so that you can have control of their necks, keep them trying to face forward, they'll still reach around and bite you heaven knows how many times on the fingers. I've literally had days where I've been bleeding so hard from half a dozen, a dozen cuts on my hands. And I, I mean, I'm a semi-professional. I know how to do this. They make a noise like a bloody fire alarm. It's hundreds of decibels, clearly. I mean, they are just no fun to be around. I actually laughed in the research because I read in 2017 a Taiwanese uh, parrot thief handed himself in to the authorities because he grow, grew so thick, uh, basically, of hearing their incessant squawking of all these parrots that he'd stolen. But they basically drove him mad. So he turned himself into the authorities just to get rid of them, just to get, get could, some you relief. Just, you could have just opened the, the door. Noise. Let them go. You could have just opened the door. Yeah, well. But perhaps he wasn't the smartest parrot thief yeah. out there. Well, well, some parrots will... Well, no, if, if he's fed them, they will try and stick around. Because they know he's got food. Unless he tries mm. to guillotine them. So then he would have to open the door and try and guillotine them. Then they might realise, try and fly off. Maybe not come back. But, I mean, parrots, they, they're very good at coming back. So, I mean, he... he had a pretty hard time of it, and I feel mm. very sorry for him. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of Kias? Kias? No, I haven't. They're a New Zealand parrot. Mm -hmm. So Kias are the cold-blooded killers of parrot world. Basically, what they do is in winter, in the fields of New Zealand, there are a lot of sheep. New Zealand is famous mm -hmm. for sheep. There are also keas, which New Zealand is somewhat famous for. And the two don't exactly get along. Mm -hmm. Because keas have especially nasty looking beaks. Actually, if our listeners want to look it up, well worth Google. But it's, it looks down uh, really menacingly. Mm. Their beaks. Uh, the, the two halves basically overlap the mandibles. Uh, so they look very scary. And what they do with that very sharp, very long, very pointy uh, beak is they poke up a sheep's bottom. And in doing so, they rip out uh, the sheep's inner organs whilst it's still alive, whilst it's bleating in terror, running blindly around the fields. They rip out its kidneys, basically what they love to feed on. And they pull it out through the bum 
and uh, frequently these sheep just end up jumping off cliffs to escape it. I mean, there will be maybe half a dozen of these Kia birds, these parrots, that take turns to pick on the same sheep, basically. They're, 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 this is pure bullying, pure gang mafia level harassment of these New Zealand sheep, which these Kias are doing. It's, 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 it's diabolic. It's diabolic, Saf. What do you have to say to that? Well, for a start, I haven't heard about these Kias, so, you know, I, I got to look it up. But, you know, this is very much, it, it, it flies against, you know, the fact that my research. So I'm a bit, you know, well, for a start, we haven't got cheap on Earth 2.0, not yet anyway. So, you know, we don't have to worry about that. Um, also, I think, you know, you are cherry picking the worst of parrot kind. You know, we've, we've been there before. You know, we could do the same with humanity, but we shouldn't. We should always kind of, at the very least, look at it as the average, or we should look at the best, the best of parrot kind. And by and large, it is well established that parrots are very loving and social. They make for great pets. They can be extremely affectionate and even love to snuggle and cuddle with their owners. So this paints a very, very different picture to a sheep inard eating gang of birds in New Zealand. You know what I mean? So if, if, if they were a threat to people or their livestock, they would not have been kept as pets for 3,000 years. They would not have become because it's not by chance that they've become the most popular pet birds in the world. You know, there's a reason that people love dogs. You know, it's, 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 uh, you know, you, you, you can't, you don't fall for the trick of somebody saying, oh, dog makes a good pet. And then you get it and then you get shocked. It's no, it's like, it's well known that dogs make for good pets. And therefore that carries on from generation to generation. Same with cats. And same with parrots. So, 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 so what you're saying is you don't mix kias and sheep. You think yeah, we, the elephants can pretty much stand up for themselves? They'll be able to so. escape the bumhole ripping open kias when we bring them over? I think so. <sighs> I think, think so. so? Uh, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, and, and also we're not specifying that we're going to bring kias, right? We're going to bring two parrots... They're probably going to be the the best, the most colorful, the most intelligent, the most um, affectionate parrots. We're going to bring the best. So, so what is the most colorful, affectionate, intelligent parrot? Oh, they'll have to, you know, do parrot idol, and we will choose. <laughs> oh, I like that. That's almost worse. <laughs> bringing them for just because of <laughs> parrot idol oh lovely okay yeah. so you've you're saying that we've kept them for three thousand years we're probably doing that for a reason but if you go back further than three thousand years say three million years or even further back mm -hmm. do you know where parrots evolved 
dinosaurs. Millions and millions and millions of years ago. They evolved in Gondwana, mm-hmm. which is supercontinent. Mm-hmm. So specifically, they evolved in Australia, basically, is where parrots came from. And Australia is famous for being a convict colony. So parrots are ostensibly jailbirds. This, this is where we see where they've got their murderous tendencies from. So convicts, murderers, rapists, etc. Sent to Australia. Parrots evolve in Australia. Parrots, murderers, rapists, oh, etc. I think there's a this huge is... tight time discrepancy there between millions of years ago where parrots evolved in Godwana and convicts being sent to Australia. Slight difference in timing. I would argue that they are unrelated. Parrots were there first. Yeah, well, why did they send the convicts to Australia? Because Australia has the murderous, rapist parrots. It doesn't matter which... There's chicken and egg. It doesn't matter which order, way it goes round. It, it matters very much. <laughs> what about what about pirates? So pirates famously keep parrots. Pirates are scumbags, scallywags, rapists, murderers, looters, hoarders, etc. Again, it's, 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 you, you can't escape this. Convicts or pirates, Co- take your pick. Coincidence. Because, because okay. parrots, as we have established, are the most popular pet birds in the world. So, yes, pirates had pet parrots. P&P, that's a bit of an alliteration thing going on there. Pirates had per- parrots. So did policemen. So did nurses. So, that so doesn't did... begin with P. I know, I know. I, I can think of another P. Um, pediatricians. Pe- pediatricians, paleontologists, <laughs> right? Um, pharmacists. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Physicists. Yep. All had parrots. So, just, you know, Obviously. just so happens, so it just so happens to be that, you know, given that so many people have parrots, parrots going to have them too. And hey, Columbus had a parrot. Marco Polo had a parrot. So I'm seeing a common thread here, which is not to do with piratism. Is that the right word? Not to do with being a pirate, but it's to do with sea adventurers. Ah, so you think the connection's there. I do have a fact linking the two. Mm -hmm. So you know the Royal Navy have uh, power, which they're very proud of. They take it to lots of the royal visits, things like that. Uh, Are they pirates? Uh, Well, historically (laughs) imperialists, so... I mean, it's comparable, but I mean, this parrot they've trained to shout, show us your tits uh, at anyone it meets. So, yeah, lo- lovely creatures, these parrots. But you mentioned paleontologists, yeah. which I was going to bring you up on. So, do you know where the oldest parrot fossil has been found? Location It's not in Australia. I'll give you a oh. hint. Not in Australia. It's New Zealand. Oh, Scotland. It's found in sixth. In good old England. Oh, wow. Yeah. Do you know another thing about parrots? 
Mm-hmm. They can't drink tea. Caffeine is poisonous to parrots, as is chocolate. And I do oh. not trust an Englishman who doesn't drink tea, let alone one who doesn't eat chocolate. So, I mean... Yeah, but, but chocolate's poisonous to a lot of the animals, dogs as well, I think. As is caffeine, sure. Yeah, well, there we go. <laughs> dogs have already got a free pass on Earth 2.0. Like, we, we don't even need to bother having that debate. And so, you know, we can't, you know, based on your argument, dogs can't come and they're already there. So parrots can come along too. Tea, coffee... Uh, chocolate. The chocolate we... is interesting though, because parrots are basically amongst the only birds, them and hummingbirds, uh, which can taste sugar, which have a, a sweet taste. So that they can taste sugar, they love sweet things, but they can't eat chocolate. Mm. This is a tragedy of being a parrot. So what this is sweet why they turn they to murder and rape and looting and piratism. What, what sweet things do they have? Well, yeah. there are lots of sweet nectars and things like that, especially in Australia. Australia's great for sweet nectar plants, things like that. Honey? Which also has been linked to aggression in birds. So that's why all the Australian birds are basically evil bastards, uh, which is scientific fact. I, that's, that's, just, that's not my contention. This has been proven that Australian birds are mean and horrible to each other and generally not very nice because they have to compete over these sugary plants which don't have right. nutrients but give them a lot of energy so they're all on a sort of permanent sugar rush interesting okay i mean they're, they're addicts they are addicted to these sugar highs they also get addicted to opium so uh, we we brought this up and kangaroos is coming back now war against drugs means a war against parrots because parrots are opium addicts they loot the crops especially in india so they can destroy up to 10 percent of the crop uh, with some farms in india uh, of of these opium farms it's legal in india as long as you sell it to the government uh so yeah i mean parrots drug addicts sugar addicts murderers rapists not quite nymphomaniacs, but we can, we can get there, teach them a bit. We, we'll rehab them. We will, you know, take the... It's all about rehabilitation, not punishment. So we're not going to punish them because it's an illness, Elliot. It's not, you know, it's, it, it's something that, you know, they, they wouldn't choose that fate themselves. So we will rehabilitate those parrots that have become addicted to opioids on Earth 2.0 and then they will be grateful and fantastic companions to the people of Earth 2.0 which is great because they live a very long time something like 75 years super sociable um, and um, it will be great also um, you might appreciate this um and you probably have heard of it, but have you heard of the buff-faced pygmy parrot? Oh, yeah. We're, we're great friends being old Buffy. Right. Well, three inches, smallest parrot, you know, be fantastic addition to our collection of miniature animals um, on Earth 2.0. Um, 
dude, I just think there's just so many pros to parrots, man. Like, but I mean, you just lose a parrot that size. No, 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 no we'll, keep, we'll keep it like in a nice glass Cage. container. Yeah, <laughs> <In Belgium. laughs> yeah. Okay, one of the things that we've talked about before is economics, right? So, you know, these journeys to Earth 2.0, we need to think about revenues and monetization and a lot of things. And you've constantly argued against the bigger animals, you know, um, space being an issue. So obviously with the, the smaller three- animals. Sizes both ways, I might say. I just told you that that buff... What is buff-faced pygmy lorikeet yeah. is too small. So, so there's a golden, very small Goldilocks zone. Right, but but that's to do with them getting lost. But we, mm. if we can find a way, we we tag it with an air tag, right? We'll we'll be able to track it on our on our iPhone. It, it, it's space saving. But my point was not about space. It was the cost of food. So some animals eat loads. And, you know, we need to find places to store their food. We need to purchase their food, all this stuff. Parrots don't eat much at all. Um, They eat really small portions throughout the day, even the largest parrots. So it's a very economical um, animal to bring on board the ark. And because they are so beautiful and they're so entertaining, they will, they're good ROI. Like, we will be able to generate revenue. Like, they pay for themselves and more. They will pay for their own food. And the surplus, they're actually subsidizing the food for other less entertaining, less beautiful animals on the ark. So they're also doing some charity work as well. So they're altruistic. So that is a no-brainer now that they should... uh, it's an economic argument and economic arguments almost always wins against other kinds of arguments do they okay they so they're, they're going to be our, our cash cows on earth 2.0 if you can excuse the mixed animal or metaphor, yeah but yeah they're going to be our earth 2.0 cash cows okay mm-hmm. interesting interesting one. I have another parrot to tell you about, if you're interested. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's another New Zealand parrot. Mm-hmm. New Zealand has a lot of parrots, because you were complaining about the keys. You said I was cherry-picking data. This is the other end of the scale. So okay. have you heard of the Kakapo? Kakapo the, parrot. I know they're massive, but that's all I know. No, the Kakapo parrot is... Mm, a lot of people's favourite parrot. It is the cute teddy bear parrot, adorable parrot, loved by many people, appears on TV a lot, all the celebrities go and see it. It's everyone's favourite parrot, basically. Okay. Opposite of the Kia. Okay. I can tell you some more about the Kakapo. Because this is all a facade, you see, there is no such thing as a good parrot. Kias are malicious devils. Kakapos are bumbling idiots. 
basically. I, I mean, a lot of New Zealand wildlife is. Kakapos <laughs> are not unique in that. New Zealand wildlife is crap. It all got killed by bloody cats and rodents because it was too stupid to learn to run and hide and flee from the bloody predators. But Kakapos are uniquely stupid because, I mean, they're, they're basically driving themselves to extinction. The amount of work that we need to put in to keep Kakapos from extincting themselves is ridiculous. So we're actually 3D printing Kakapo eggs because what we do is we steal them from the mother, give them a 3D printed egg, which is actually very complex because it has to shake and uh, make Kakapo noises and have a bit of warmth coming out of it so they don't realise. Wow. And then we incubate the real eggs, raise them so they don't all die. Because Kakapos are awful mothers, basically. They're, they're rubbish at everything. Uh, we have to build them customised feed stations. You were saying they don't eat much. Well, clearly they do eat a significant amount because each Kakapo in New Zealand, actually kept on that offshore island, has its own feed station, which basically stands on. It's got a little backpack with a tag. The tag activates the feeder, gets to eat a bit. We record how much it ate, then it waddles off because it's too stupid to catch its own food. They, they basically don't bother flying because they're too bloody lazy. They are basically designed to camouflage like trees, but they sit around all day. They sit around on the top of trees all day, and when they get frightened they drop from trees because they're too lazy to fly like a bit like apples is how it's been described so they just drop from trees onto the ground uh, when they're startled and get quite hurt it's not good for them i, I mean basically they're, they're not very good at anything and they tried to shag stephen fry's head one of their few claims to fame the kakapo but yeah i mean we were talking about how intelligent parrots are i mean there's one that's learned about a thousand words but some of them are just idiots we'll bring the smart ones don't worry about that uh, but that's a cute one and it's an idiot so what i am suspecting is that all the cute parrots are idiots and all the ugly ones are smart this is how it works in life so lots of the ones <laughs> which have been trained to speak are the african grey parrots and as the name suggests they're just grey they're not actually very interesting they're mm. grey and they're parrots and they come from Africa God, that's about God, as interesting as they get God gives with one hand and takes with another <laughs> so there's no such thing as a beautiful intelligent parrot doesn't exist doesn't exist I, I, I'm sure we can find some I'm sure we can find some well now you just need a different bird well they <laughs> The, this is as good as it gets when, when it comes to birds. Uh, okay, let me ask you a question. My closing statement, if you like. What are your thoughts on seven-year-old children? I.e., should they... <laughs> should, should they... allowed to exist? No, definitely not. <laughs> I, I'm in the school of thought of mistrunchable. Uh, out of Matilda, I think children are the scum of the earth. They shouldn't be allowed to exist. We should all start life as adults. Nothing before that at all. <laughs> yeah, but what, what, that can't happen. <laughs> oh, yes, it can. 
It's what science is there for. We tell scientists what to do. They do it. Right. Who's the they we can that's, that's bloody telling... kakapo eggs? They can give birth to full-grown adults. Something like that. I mean, they, they made Jurassic Park, so... Well, they didn't. It's got to be easier thing. than that. Right. But anyway, I think you've now, you know, any voter, you, you, you t- each episode you inadvertently alienate some voters. <laughs> so whether it's the French or... Uh, and you get yourself into hot water with uh, alphabet agencies. So the FBI, the CIA, hmm. political China, right? So today I I'm think I'm not sure have... it's inadvertent, but you do have a point. Yeah, yeah it's but... often quite deliberate. Right. Okay. Well, today you have, you know, alienated parents um, hmm. who obviously adore their children and, you know, the reason I said seven-year-olds is because apparently parrots have the same intelligence levels and reasoning skills as a seven-year-old child. Um, and, you know, they can uh, problem-solve, communicate, understand human-constructed concepts like maths, uh, addition, as well as subtraction, shapes, colors. So, an animal that is... You know, we've covered this before with intelligence. You know, it's a positive trait. An animal that's this intelligent, we cannot leave behind. I have a few points there. Firstly, I'm quite happy to alienate all the families and parents out there. I'm 19. I've spent my life alienating parents. <laughs> Secondly, <laughs> the, the parrots to which you refer with your intelligent points are of course the African great parrots. This is what everyone studied. Uh, most famously, Dr. Irene Pepperberg had her parrot called Alex. She did lots of experiments on lots she of missed, your... She missed a trick there. She should have called a parrot something starting with a P. Pepperberg. She, she could parrot. have called it Pepper, Pepper, Pepper the Parrot. You're right. Yeah. See, she had more class than that. She, she, she was an intelligent woman. She knew better than to alphabetically name animals. But anyway, Alex the parrot is one of the best studied intelligent parrots out there. He could speak about 100 words. You mentioned counting maths. He could count to six, which I mean, most seven-year-old children can count slightly higher than that. I mean, we can give it a go now. (laughs) In podcast experiment, we can see how high we get and we go, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. We're at least thirteen episodes in, so that's twice as good as Alex the parrot. So, how intelligent is this, as we've already stated, but ugly African grey parrot, Alex? Is he worth taking on the ark? I don't think so. I can count six by myself. I've got more than six <laughs> fingers. Until we bring the parrot on board, when I'll have less than six fingers. So it's creating a problem to solve by itself, by chopping off my fingers with its own guillotine beak. Which is why we invented the guillotine, inspired by parrots, for parrots. End of case, I rest my story, etc. So no parrots and no seven-year-olds is your argument. Yeah. And you can count to more than six. 
Uh, most days, most days. <laughs> I, 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 there could be exceptions to that rule, but most days, as we've, as we've proven on this podcast, I could count perfectly up to six. Double digits, I struggled, but perfectly up to six. Okay, okay, well, I think it'll have to be up to the audience, but uh, I think, you know, the parents amongst the audience will appreciate the intelligence of the parrot, just as they appreciate the intelligence of their seven-year-old child. Um, and I also think that they would not want a world where their kids cannot see a parrot in the wild. So all the parents, no doubt, the sane ones, the um, those that have a heart, will vote for parrots coming on to uh, 2.0. Um, Most parents are sick of their kids. At least by the time they're seven, that they no, <laughs> there's no chance they want more seven-year-olds around. Yeah, but the oh. parrot hardly eats. Uh, you know, it's not the same level of. Um, you know, it's just it's not all louder. The... Parrot versus mm. seven-year-old kid. Yeah, Dude, uh, I'd take seven-year-old kid to be honest. Actually, I wouldn't take either. But <laughs> if I had to choose between either. I would go for the seven-year-old kid. Right. <laughs> so at least they can count to seven, because they're seven by then. They can probably count to seven. Better right. than six. Mm. Right, well... Right. Oh, but I'm, I'm quietly well. confident that parrots, the pet bird in the world, will make it onto Earth 2.0 and be enjoyed by the people of Earth 2.0 as a wonderful pet companion. Hmm. Well, all I'm going to say is I mentioned Jurassic Park. Parrot is an anagram of raptor. What happened in Jurassic Parks? Velociraptors escaped, raptors killed everyone, raptors caused havoc, basically destroyed the entire park, entire island, entire world in subsequent uh, iterations of Jurassic Parks and whatever they're called now. Something different. Jurassic, is it World? Mm. Heaven knows. So, parrots, raptors, same thing essentially. They both eat sheep innards through their bum holes. And they're just not worth bringing to Earth 2.0. And most of them are left-handed. I've, I've already stated in prior episodes that left-handed people are the scum of the Earth. That they can't be trusted. That they're basically an aberration of nature, as we were saying at the start of the episode. Swy 13 and 4 is unlucky. Swy... The, the world is as it is. We cast out the mutants, of which parrots count themselves being left-handed, and they're no good at all. So, let us know what you think. Let us know whether you like seven-year-olds. And on a less important note, whether you like parrots as well, whether they deserve a place on the Ark. Follow along at New Ark Hives on social media and join us next time when we will be discussing. Ooh, is it my is it my go? Which is your go? Butterflies. Butterflies. Oh, I like it. Another insect when we'll be discussing butterflies and caterpillars and all that jazz 
Are we allowed moths as well? Yeah, but butterflies. Close enough. Butterflies, caterpillars, maybe moths, Lithoptera. For the scientifically minded, join us next week for butterflies. See you then. <laughs>